So I want to start with a movie clip this morning. It's from the movie Gladiator. And uh, Russell Crowe in this movie plays a Roman general who through a series of betrayals winds up being considered a criminal uh, by the Roman state, contemned to die in the gladiatorial contests. And so he's in the arena with the other unfortunate prisoners, and he's consigned to play the part, the losing part, of the barbarians in, in a mock sort of depiction of the Battle of Carthage, outmatched and overpowered. Except he's a general. <laughs> and so instead of giving up and figuring he's a goner or going out in a blaze of glory, showing off his individual fighting prowess, he does what he's been trained to do. He organizes the other prisoners into an impromptu army. <laughs> you, you'll hear in, in the clip him urging them to, to fight together with the words, as one, as one. Hopefully you'll be able to hear it. We're going to try to play it through the TV. So listen up and we'll see how it goes. Let's watch. If, if you could hear that, um, he said, we have a better chance of, of surviving if we stay together. If we work together, we survive. And he called them together as one. That's a great image of what today's passage is about. Paul is the general. He's, he's writing in the letter of Philippians to a group of scared, outmatched fellow soldiers. And, and he's urging them to stick together because if they fight as one, they have a chance to win. He's telling them, split apart and we lose the battle, but together we win. Let's pick up the scenario in, in chapter 1. When we read the Bible, we've got to learn to ignore the chapter numbers and the section headings. Because uh, what we're going to see in, in chapter 2, which is where we're going to focus, is a follow-through of what Paul begins saying in chapter 1. Paul's writing to friends here. Paul considers the Philippians to be his dear friends, partners with him in the gospel. Listen to verses 3 to 5 of chapter 1. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. 
Later in chapter 2, verse 25, Paul thanks the Philippians for sending Epaphroditus to visit him in prison. That's where Paul is as he's writing this letter. And, and the Philippians have sent Epaphroditus to visit Paul, to, to encourage Paul, to, and to take care of his needs. In chapter 4, Paul also thanks them for the money that they sent him. In 4.2, he mentions Euodia and Syntyche, two women who have contended at his side for the cause of the gospel. Do you hear the military language there? Paul and the Philippians are friends. They're on the same team, in the same army, with the same goal to spread the gospel. Are you surprised that these are the kind of friends that the Apostle Paul would have? (laughs) People who are as passionate about the gospel as he is. Yet Paul and the Philippians are also facing the same opposition. Paul is in prison. He's writing to assure the Philippians that it's an honor for him to suffer for Christ. And, and that even in prison, he's, he's still sharing the, the message of Jesus with anyone he can. And the Philippians, too, are, are suffering for their faith. Chapter 1, verse 27, Paul encourages them to strive together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, he says. Verse 29, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So Paul and the Philippians are partners in ministry. Their their friendship has been strengthened and solidified by a common cause and common struggle and common opposition, common suffering even. Like the gladiators in the arena, they have been thrown together on the same team and they're outmatched by powerful forces that are oppressing them and opposing them. The Philippians have been encouraging and supporting Paul in his suffering, sending money, sending Epaphroditus. And now Paul is writing to encourage them back. He's saying, thank you, and I'm praying for you. Hang in there. Fight the good fight too. And that's what today's passage is about. Listen again to verses 27 and 28 where we picked up today's passage. Paul says to the Philippians, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and I see you or I only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. In other words, Paul says, together we win. As we explore this message that together we win, which Paul is sharing to encourage the Philippians, and as we apply it to ourselves this morning, I want to answer two questions. First, What do we win together? And second, how do we win together? So first, what do we win? Well, we win two prizes. They're in verse 27. First, we win our own salvation by not letting anyone take it from us. Paul puts it this way in verse 27 in two words. Stand firm. Stand firm. The idea here is to stay faithful, to stay committed, literally to keep standing when people are trying to knock you down, to to stand your ground when people are trying to drive you back. This was literally happening to Paul and to the Philippians. They're being persecuted. They're being arrested and warned, you better deny Jesus Christ or else. Or else we're going to confiscate your property. We're going to whip you and torture you. We're going to throw you in prison. We're going to execute you. 
Stand firm, Paul says. I am. You do it too. My friends, my partners in the gospel, stay faithful with me. Stay committed. Let them oppose you. It's, it's just a sign in the end that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, verse 28. So that's the first thing we win. We win our salvation by standing firm in it. It's a gift, but we have to hold on to it. The second prize that we win, also in verse 27, is the furthering of God's mission. Paul uses the phrase, strive together as one for the faith of the gospel. That's what Paul's about. That's what the Philippians are about. That's why the Philippians are such good friends of Paul. That's why he considers them partners. Paul says, that's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for God's mission for the spread of the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's keep striving together as one. So that's what we win. Let's move on now second to how we win. And we'll spend a little bit more time on this one. How do we win? Together. We win together. Like those gladiators in the arena, we win when we work together, when we stick together and stay together. Listen to how Paul puts it. Verse 27. Stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. As one. Together we win. There's a great Peanuts cartoon which illustrates this well. Lucy demands that Linus change uh, the TV channel and she threatens him with her fists. And and Linus says, what makes you think you can walk right in here and take over? And Lucy replies, these five fingers. (laughs) Individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that's terrible to behold. And Linus says, which channel do you want? (laughs) And then turning away, he looks at his own fingers and he says, why can't you guys get organized like that? (laughs) Right? How do we win? Together. And specifically, Paul describes two ways we need to be together. As we now look at the opening verses of chapter 2, Paul says we need to think together and we need to love together. First, we need to think together. Verse 2, he repeats it twice. By being like-minded and being of one mind. Does that mean that we all have to believe the same thing? That, That we're supposed to shut off our brains and all become mental clones or something? No. Sure, we're going to think for ourselves. We're going to have different views and opinions. But there's one thing we need to be like-minded about. And that's what we're trying to win at. Remember what? Remember what, that we're trying to win at two things? Persevering in our salvation, one. And furthering God's mission, two. That, that's what we're supposed to think together about. To be like-minded about. About the gospel and about our mission to share it. That's what Dave Deal shared with us last week, right? That, that we may disagree on a lot of secondary matters, but we need to be clear and unified on what the primary matter is. Which is that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human. That he came down to die for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God and then to one another. That Christ rose again to begin a new creation. 
that he poured out his spirit on his followers and commissioned them, commissioned us to offer to all people to receive this salvation as a gift of grace received by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we're to be like-minded about. We have one salvation and one mission, and most everything else is secondary. I love what Max Lucado, the well-known pastor and writer, has to say about this. He says, when fishermen stop fishing, they start fighting. (laughs) When fishermen lose their purpose, when they forget that their goal is fishing, they start fighting instead. When we fail to focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ, when when we lose focus that that's central, and and when we lose sight of our purpose, the, the one mission that God calls us to fight for, then there are plenty of secondary matters that we could get distracted by and spend all day disagreeing on. So Paul says, remember how we win. We win by thinking together. Do you remember the, the Hobbit, if you've read the book or, or seen the movie? At, at the end, the Battle of the Five Armies. The armies of the dwarves, the, the army of men, the, the army of the elves. They're, they're all fighting and squabbling with one another. Their egos, the, the, the past wrongs, the past grudges are all boiling up and causing dissension and causing chaos. And meanwhile, a massive orc army is descending on all of them like a black cloud. And we're thinking what Bilbo the Hobbit is thinking. Come on, guys, think together. If you guys don't come together and quick about what matters most, we're all going to be goners. If we're going to win, we've got to think together. Second, we've also got to love together. That's the second way that we win. Verse 2, having the same love, being of one spirit. If we're going to win, we've got to choose to love each other. This is where the the war imagery becomes less helpful. Because in the battle that we're trying to win, the battle of salvation, the battle of mission, strength is less important and violence is unhelpful. (laughs) Instead, it's love that wins the day. We have to remember that our general... Jesus Christ won the most decisive battle in the war by laying down his life in love. Paul reminds the Philippians of that and urges us all to follow Jesus' example in verses 5 to 12 of chapter 2. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. We win the battle, Paul is saying, by following Jesus' example, by winning hearts with love. Not by arguing people into anything or or otherwise forcing people or legislating people against their wills. And who wants to join a church that's full of strife and full of bickering? If the world looks at at Jesus' followers and and what they see is disunity and and nitpicking and gossiping or, or even just cool distance, do you think they'll want in? 
No, people are looking for real love. They're looking for warm, authentic community. I remember my first year in college, I was part of a, a special humanities semester, and, and a cohort of, 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 of students were all taking the same three classes together. And we were talking in the classes about a lot of big ideas, and we were being exposed to new thoughts and different philosophies. And, and many of us as first-year students had never come across these things in high school. And, and there was this one friend that I made in this program. She was from rural, small-town Pennsylvania like I was, and we were both a bit overwhelmed at all these new ideas. And, and she was trying to make sense of them like I was. Meanwhile, she and her roommate were hanging out some with me and, and my roommate. And through us, she got to know some of the friends that we were making through the Christian fellowship that we joined. And through her exposure to us, she was being exposed to yet more new ideas about God, about the Bible, about Jesus. But, but who was right? Was, was B.F. Skinner right? Was Karl Marx right? Or Plato or Zhongzi or, or Jesus well, guess what was the one thing that drew her toward Jesus? She said that the one thing she sensed in the Christian fellowship, which she hadn't really found anywhere else, was love. She saw in our community, in our relationships, something different, something supernatural, something attractive. She saw love. And that's what people should see when they see Jesus' followers. They should see love because we win as we love together. But, but guess what? In case you hadn't noticed, love ain't easy. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it's the hardest thing that we'll ever do. Without a miracle, or, or rather a whole bunch of miracles, we'll never manage to really love. Because, sure, we could manage to be nice to each other for an hour on Sunday mornings, but, but that's not really love. No, love involves really getting to know each other. It requires working together and fighting together for the same mission. And, and once we start doing that, what happens? We start rubbing each other the wrong way. <laughs> our warts and our blemishes, our, our rough edges and our annoying traits start surfacing. That's when we really have to decide if we're going to love. And it's not easy. It's costly. It's painful. That's why Paul says in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or, or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Paul's dealing with reality here. <laughs> we have selfish ambitions. We have vain conceits. I want my way because I know better. It, no, you want your way because you know better. I can't believe that you said this or, or did that, so I'm going um, to talk about you to all my friends about it. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to everyone else. Well, you're offended because I did this or that, so you're going to be nice to me because you're supposed to be. You're a Christian after all. But secretly, you've, you've shut me out in your heart and you're, you're bubbling with resentment inside. I'm jealous of you because more people are coming to your ministry than to my ministry. You're jealous of me because the pastor praised my ministry and everyone's saying how great it is and you've been laboring away faithfully and no one's taken notice of yours. Get rid of all that, Paul urges us. 
Get rid of selfish ambition. Get rid of vain conceit. Yes, we all feel these things. They're naturally human ways to feel. But we've got to recognize them for what they are and and confess them to God and ask him to take them away out of our hearts. Because we're never going to win if we don't love together. Instead, Paul says, in humility, we've got to value others above ourselves. And this is a good place to, to begin coming to an end with a word of application. Today we're beginning a discussion as a church on the question of women in leadership. And it's an issue which, as a church, we have different perspectives on. And at CBC, as, as David said last week, we, we, uh, we like to leave room for various perspectives. Um, we, we seek to major on the major points, but to agree to disagree on some of the secondary things. And so you can believe, for instance, that, that someone is saved. Uh, once someone's saved, they can't lose their salvation. And, and I could believe that, no, you could lose your salvation if you turn away from Christ. And, and we could still get along. We can, we can uh, have fellowship and, and serve together in the same church and in the same mission. And we can do um, this, this same thing for a lot of other issues, um, on religion, on, on politics, and, and shoot, we even have both Yankees and Mets fans in this church. <laughs> but there are certain issues that, that are practical where we can't just leave it up to the theologians to debate. We've actually got to make some practical choices. And women in leadership is, is one of those issues. Sure, we could agree to disagree about whether the Bible forbids women to be elders or, or to, to preach and uh, whether that still applies today, but but then we're going to have to actually figure out what to do. Are we going to invite them to or, or not? We can't actually do it both ways in practice. And so we're forced to choose. And as Dave mentioned last week, our, our church comes from a background which has been historically conservative on the issue. But there are a lot of people who'd like to see that change. And so it's something we, we need to discuss. We need to wrestle through as a church. It's an issue um, which, if it's important to you, then, then we invite you to join at, at 11.15 this morning and, and for the next couple months as we discuss this together. And the details about that are in your bulletin. Now, what's the purpose of these discussions? Well, it's not to decide anything right now, though we may, that may come after the discussions. Um, and it's not to try to persuade others that what we believe is true. It's rather to learn and to listen to one another. To, to better understand why those who disagree with us see it a different way. And to better understand together what the Bible says and, and why Christians view what the Bible says on this issue differently. And, and maybe we'll discover some biases that we have which have clouded the way that we have been reading the Bible on this issue. Now, for some of us, having this discussion is going to take a lot of patience and a lot of grace and a lot of love. And, and if this is an issue that's so passionate for you that you don't think you can listen carefully and respectfully to those who disagree with you, then probably this discussion isn't for you right now. That doesn't mean that you'll be shut out of any decision, but it, it means that this group, because it's not about making a decision right now, is about instead about strengthening our unity and strengthening our mutual respect and, and our understanding enough that, that if and when we do make a decision, we can do it in a way which maintains our unity. Even though we'll no doubt continue to disagree on this issue.
So as we begin this discussion, here's my challenge for all of us. It's what Paul says in verse 4. In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. Sure, you have your opinion on this issue of of what you'd like to see and, and what you'd like your church to practice on this issue. But what about someone who, who disagrees with you on this issue? Can you value them above yourself? Can you look out for their interests? Can you make it your concern to understand them and what may be best for them? If you can do that, if we can all do that, then we will have a good chance at thinking together and loving together. If we can do that, we have a good chance of winning together. And that will be a miracle which will be attractive to the world which needs to see the miracle of real love. Because as you may have noticed in this election cycle especially, America isn't doing a really good job right now of disagreeing respectfully. (laughs) And of loving those they disagree with, right? And so who's going to stand up and set a better example of how that's done if not the church? Because if we think together... And if we love together, then as one, we can win together. And I don't know about you, but I want to win.